Like many people, I love animals, especially baby ones. But Sarah, Sarah really loves animals. And it's a passion that has filtered into her motherhood journey as well. I'm Heather Kuntz, and this is Motherhood Material. Sarah lives on a small five-acre hobby farm with her husband and young son, and a horse, pony, cat, and two dogs. She's always had a thing for animals. I always liked cats, and my parents always let me have a cat. So I would always have a cat. Toward the end of high school, beginning of college, I would volunteer at the, our local shelter. And at first, I was just like, well, I like cats, so I'll foster litters of kittens and do medications and bottle feeding and things like that and help them find homes. And then I switched through my work at the shelter. I started seeing like there's a need for help with these dogs. In college, Sarah wasn't sure how her love for animals would play a role in her education. At first, she studied musical theater before taking a complete 180 and majoring in biology. She began working in labs and exploring that area of science. But it wasn't a perfect fit. What I learned doing the research and working in labs um, was that while I liked science and I liked doing research, I kind of wanted more interaction, I think. Sarah had experience working with animals in both a vet's office and as a volunteer with her local animal shelter. Through that work, she began to realize a career involving animals might be a better fit for her, perhaps as a vet tech. But soon, her life's path took another turn. It was really a a dog we had adopted, actually, while I was in graduate school, who, to label her, had some behavioral issues that we did not know about when we adopted her. Those things kind of started to show once she was in our home and getting settled, and they were things that I wanted to learn more about and try to figure out, but I really had no idea where to start. Um, And so she was the beginning, I would say, of my training, uh, my interest in training. And she was the reason that I bought the first book that I ever bought on canine behavior. The book was called Inside of a Dog by Alexandra Horowitz. It opened Sarah's eyes to the world of canine behavior, and she began looking for work that would allow her to use her newfound knowledge and passion. That's when she came across the job opening for a service dog trainer. I actually like teared up when I read the job posting and I was like, that's me. And I'll always remember that phone call, uh, finding out that they were going to hire me and just jumping up and down through that whole process because I was so excited about it. Sarah took on her new career path with enthusiasm, and she loved it. Early in her career, she attended a Clicker Expo, a conference that focuses on innovative animal training techniques. There's two held in the U.S. each year, and it's just like back-to-back presentations from these uh, incredible presenters and trainers and behaviorists. It was at that Clicker Expo where Sarah also discovered positive reinforcement techniques for horses. She took those tips home to her horse, Carly. I've had her for five years and um, she's also a huge, just a huge factor, I guess we'd say, in the shift in training methods and the learning. Um, And so I started out with her just as like, this is my horse and I ride her and that's what we do. And then at that Clicker Expo, that first conference I went to, Alexandra Kurland was there. She's a a very well-known name with Uh, in using positive reinforcement with horses. And she gave a talk that I went to 
And I went back home with that information and started working on uh, training some basic behaviors with her. And from there, I could never go back to what I had originally learned to do with a horse. She had spark in her eyes that I had never seen before. So that's really awesome for her and for me because it's just super fun. When it comes to her learning, Sarah says Carly has played a pretty vital role. She is one of my best teachers. She's a draft cross and um, it's again, it's like a label, but drafts will tend to be um, more laid back. And so that makes her just being laid back and not um, super, she's not super jumpy, I guess we'd say. And that has really helped me with my learning and um, my confidence. As her career grew, Sarah and her husband began talking about starting a family. It wasn't something they'd considered a priority, but following a conversation with friends, Sarah began warming to the idea. I wouldn't say that we always knew. It was about five years into our marriage, I think. We decided that we wanted to become parents. And for a long time, it was sort of like a running joke that we weren't going to have kids. We had our dogs. um, We had our jobs. um, We got a horse. Um, we bought a camper. It was just like, we're good. A really big thing was we were camping with a couple of our friends. One of the couples, one of my very close friends said that they were going to start trying to start a family. And I was so excited for her. And I was like, oh, cool. So like next year, maybe there'll be a baby at camping. And she was like, no, we don't want to be that couple that like the only ones with a baby that come camping. And I was like, what? I was like sad about it. And then I realized like, why? What? I I mean, we could potentially have a baby too. Like we could have our own baby and we could take that baby camping or we could take that baby to have adventures. Sarah really loved the idea of taking her own child on adventures. And she believes her experience with behavioral learning made her better equipped to take on the mental load of motherhood. And a, a turning point, I think for me was actually the behavior piece and the learning piece um, and the fact that what I do, um, the laws of behavior, the science of learning is applicable to any species and starting to learn more and more, I just started to gain confidence and realize that the things keeping me from wanting to become a mom were really all based in fear, fear of unwanted advice from everybody and like just, you know, and so once I had that confidence, like, no, no, I understand. I, there's still a lot I have to learn, but I understand a lot of things about teaching and behavior and that having that really helped me a lot. I decided I want that experience. I don't want to look back someday and wish that I had become a mom. I didn't want to look back and, and think someday that I had missed that opportunity. Sarah and her husband put a lot of thought into becoming parents. My husband and I are both super analytical. So he's math brain and I'm science brain. We look at all the variables. And so it was a hard decision, I think, for us to make. But of course, they did decide to start a family. And soon enough, their son was born. Sarah says nothing about the experience went as planned, which, of course, many moms can relate. I would never call it easy. Um... It's the hardest thing I think that I've ever done, but it's also the most 
mind-blowing, cool, fascinating, interesting, awesome thing that you've ever done at the same time. It's constantly evolving. And the stage that we're in, the stage that our son is in is constantly evolving. And so we have to evolve our approaches and our ideas and, and whatnot with his development. After becoming a mother, Sarah soon discovered that her career and her motherhood were crossing over. The things she was learning and applying in her work were directly applicable to motherhood as well. And being a mom has helped her have more empathy and understanding for the family she works with. In fact, she often sees families who are trying to find ways for their baby and dog to peacefully coexist. And she has some advice for people looking for that perfect dog trainer. Ask some certain questions that would help you know if that trainer is going to actually be those things that they claim to be. Ask the trainer the question of what happens if my dog gets it wrong. How they answer that is going to usually say a lot about what methods they're using. And Sarah says prevention is a major key to finding harmony between your kids and your animals. Working with a trainer before there are problems is huge. So we talk in this field a lot about prevention, especially with dogs and kids. Prevention is huge. If you have um, a trainer helping you learn about reading canine body language, that is the first thing I would recommend is learning how to read canine body language and look for stress signals. So if you are a parent and a dog owner looking to have the best possible relationship between your children and your dog, knowing how to read your dog for stress signals is huge um, because that's going to allow you to uh, be preventative through management. So if you need to put gates up and have other sorts of barriers in place so that the dog is not always freely interacting with the child. That's something that we always recommend for safety, especially with young kids and especially with toddlers. Then you can help mediate those interactions and teach your child from the beginning how to interact safely with the dog. Sarah is passionate about setting up families to live in harmony, and she uses positive reinforcement as a way to do so. Positive reinforcement means giving something to the animal when they perform the action you want. That way, they can associate the action with the reinforcer. To get the best results, Sarah says that behavior needs to start at the beginning. Before you bring baby home, you want to start setting up the environment for your dogs more and more toward what it's going to look like once the baby is home. So for us, that looked like getting um, some gates up and having some designated areas where they would eat meals, whether it's behind a gate or in a crate, so that they are comfortable eating meals in those places or doing a food toy or just relaxing and having downtime in those places for when guests come over. And so that's a huge thing that you want to start positively training. And then I would say something else is to have a plan for when you are in the hospital, have a plan for your dogs and potentially somebody that they're already comfortable with that knows the cues that they know and the routine that they know and can come and do exercise and play with them. And even once you are home with your baby, having being able to ask those friends for help is huge. To help you understand these behaviors, Sarah recommends seeking out resources. For example, Family Paws Parent Education features various videos and infographics. And Sarah's own social media has resources as well. You can find her at Contingent on Kindness Behavior Consulting. And remember, 
when it comes to learning, dogs aren't that different from us. We all learn through associations and associations are always happening. So you might be thinking in your mind about an outcome, like I don't want my dog to blank. I don't want my dog to pull. I don't want my dog to bark. Um, But when you use aversive tools to suppress behaviors that you don't want your dog to do, you're actually creating an association with the picture that they're seeing in front of them while they feel pain. For example, you could create fear of kids if you've got um, a dog on leash and you're using some sort of uh, tool, a collar, let's say a training collar, and you use what gets called corrections or punishment like a leash jerk on your dog as a child is approaching, um, your dog will, yes, they might stop pulling, but at the cost of your gambling, creating a fear of kids now or a fear of kids when it's, when the dog is on leash. So they put together an association as well as looking at the behavior. They're also associating this picture as being a good thing or a bad thing. Sarah says a dog's fear can lead to aggression, which may leave parents feeling afraid and hopeless. In turn, dogs may end up abandoned or rehomed. It's a vicious cycle, but Sarah says there are ways to stop it. So instead of uh, correcting them for pulling, I would say, what do I want my dog to do when they see a kid walking by? And I would say, oh, I want them to uh, keep walking. Like, let's keep walking and focus on me. And so I would teach that out of context. I would teach that when there's not a distraction present and reinforce that. So you're always building on success. And when you're doing that and using um, reinforcement for the dog, they're going to make a positive association with that picture instead of a negative one. That ideology is something Sarah applies to her work as well. She was once hired as a behavior technician for children with autism, and that opportunity gave her more knowledge about teaching children and reinforcing the behaviors you want to see. She puts it simply, reinforcing what you want instead of waiting for what you don't want and then wanting to use punishment. If you're about to bring a baby home to coexist with your family dog, Sarah says it's important to find people you trust who can play with and care for your dog while you're in the hospital and even for the first few weeks of adjustment to your new life. She said, friends who bring meals are great, but friends who bring meals and play with your dog so you can rest are even better. Additionally, Sarah says mothers need to remember that empathy and forgiveness for yourself are a huge part of the journey. She even has some advice for that. Let's define what your emotional cup is, or I like to call it emotional puzzle, because if we can break down things that you need to do in a day that help you feel satisfied at the end of the day and happy with what you could give to everybody, if we can break those things down, define them and make them achievable small steps. Um, let's start there. And I would say we, we can use the process called shaping where you are using successive approximations to reach a bigger picture goal. So just a couple minutes a day doing blank and a couple minutes a day doing exercising your dogs and things like that. So let's define those things and make it something like let's set you up for success basically and define those things so that you can fit a little bit of each thing into your day and and go to sleep at night and feel like you didn't fail everybody. And if you're struggling to find balance between your child's safety and your dog's happiness, Sarah shared some advice from a friend. Safety is kind too. So she used to struggle with having to use gates and barriers with her dog's 
uh, with her dog when she had young children. And she's learned that that was safety and that safety is kind too. Thank you to Sarah for sharing her story and those useful tips for coexisting with baby and dog. I hope you find them as helpful as I did. Please join me next week for another inspiring story. Thanks for listening. Motherhood Material is produced by me, Heather Kuntz. Music by Eric Matias. For more information or to be featured, please contact motherhoodmaterialpod at gmail.com.